Hi everyone and welcome back to the Making Milestones podcast. Today's podcast is kind of going to be just a general life update and just talking about a bunch of different things, I think. We'll see where it goes. I don't really script these, so it's kind of just like freeform thinking. And I wanted to kind of touch a little bit on some topics that I had recently discussed in the Toxic Relationships podcast that I did, because that one seemed to resonate with a lot of people and it sounds like a lot of people have very similar experiences. Um, with regards to having toxic relationships, be they platonic, romantic, professional, and the difficulties that come with like getting out of them and also like how they can impact your self-worth. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about that and talk about self-worth and kind of what the process of like healing from that is and yeah, how I personally have started going about that and like how certain situations impacted me and my self-esteem in ways that I didn't even necessarily realize until after the fact. But before we get started, I of course need to plug some of my means of making income, especially because unfortunately my truck needs the transmission replaced. I'm really pissed off about it because it's only a 2018, so this should not be happening. And the kicker is that it is 3,000 kilometers out of warranty, so literally just out of warranty. If it had broken down like a month and a half or two months ago, I would have been able to get it in warranty. So I'm pretty, pretty, pretty upset by that because it's a yeah $6,000 fix. It's like $3,500 in labor charges because they have to take the whole transmission out. I don't think it's the whole transmission that needs to be replaced, but there's a bunch of different parts of it that they need to replace. So yeah, it just sucks. I'm so choked about it. Um, don't need anyone making any Ford jokes because the fact that this happened may change what kind of truck I get when I eventually replace this one. But it's a pretty freaking new truck, so despite the cost of the fix, I kind of just need to fix it, because otherwise I'm kind of screwed, because I'm still financing a decent portion of it. But anyways, so if you're interested in shopping my products, I'm currently having the my truck broke down, truck woes sale in store, where everything is minimum 25% off. The discounts are auto-applied at checkout, so like even sales items, it'll be an extra 25% off minimum at checkout and all the proceeds from that are going to go towards helping me afford this because it's really bad timing. I just bought my tickets to go to Paris to speak at the Horace Welfare Conference. So that's obviously a, a big expense and then this happened. So it just, it sucks. Um, really bad timing. So you can check that out at my store, shopmilestoneek.com, shopmilestoneq.com. And I just released some new riding tights that are super cute in gray, lavender, black, and light blue. And I also just released Turn Out Your Damn Horses athletic shirts. There's also um, pride base layers, bridles, um, a bunch of the bitless bridles are on sale. Like I said, everything's minimum 25% off, but some stuff is on super sale. So you can check all that out at the link down below in the description of this podcast or shopmilestoneeq.com. Also, I have Patreon, so for anyone who's interested in learning how to apply the methods of training that I use, like positive reinforcement, and how to go about starting, I post a lot of my in-depth tutorials on there, and there's like easily like well over 30 plus tutorials. I need to count them so I can give you an accurate number, but I just released two new ones. One is a mounting block tutorial with a horse who is abused and has a really bad response to mounting and being handled. The other is a trailer loading tutorial with my Mustangs and Gala, my two-year-old. And there's all sorts of stuff on there. So if you're interested in learning how to get into positive reinforcement training and you're not sure where to start, I've tried to make it super accessible. It's like $7.50 per month 
um, to access all the tutorials or you can pick a higher tier if you want um, and all proceeds to, of that go towards just helping me continue doing what I'm doing and building my business and getting paid for the online stuff that I do so um, yeah you can do that at patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash s-d-e-q-u-u-s or at the link in the description of this podcast I also have training webinars and like one-off tutorials on my main training website which is milestoneequestrian.ca and you can just purchase like one-time webinars. There's all sorts of ones that I've done. I recently did some with a therapist, uh, Bree McDonald from Equine Haven LLC. So we just did a trauma-informed webinar that you can purchase the recording of. And then we also did a shame and guilt in the horse world one. So those kind of go over the process of like dealing with like how you, when you're changing training methods kind of grappling with the guilt that may come with that and yeah so it's a it's a great webinar both of them so anyways those are ways you can kind of help support me even just sharing the podcast sharing my youtube videos and all that jazz it's so helpful and i really appreciate all of it so thank you everyone um and yeah send me your your condolences for my truck because i'm so choked about it like i can't I like I, I laugh it off because there's really nothing else I can do um, and yeah it's disappointing because the reason why I got a newer truck was so that it would be reliable and it has been up until this point but now it has been super unreliable because six thousand dollars is a big fix so that really really sucks I'm kind of choked about that but anyways other than that my life is going pretty okay um, I'm like in like a healing relaxing stage after like several many many hard years and i go into more detail on like the specifics of that and like the toxic relationships webinar i'm not webinar podcast um but basically like it's just been it's been difficult like i was in an emotionally abusive relationship for like almost two years and what i showed online probably didn't display that um to people like it probably looked all fine and dandy like i did have some people be like i got bad vibes um but like i didn't post about a lot of the bad stuff because like like i it just i didn't want to kind of believe that it was as bad as it was and honestly like it really impacted my self-esteem and it's kind of interesting like in the time after you kind of come more to terms with like how damaging it was and like how much it hurt your feelings and just like how unhealthy it was the further you separate yourself from those types of situations so for anyone who's like in a relationship like be it a romantic relationship or a friendship where you're left feeling like on a frequent basis like really really sad and hurt and they're not like properly apologizing to you and you don't feel like heard or listened to i would recommend that if you can to just like take some space away from that person so that you can get some clarity because sometimes you need that space to actually fully like realize what you want to do and what needs to happen and if i hadn't taken that space i would have ended up getting back into this relationship and it would have been like the worst decision ever so i cannot recommend that enough like take space away from people if they're meant to be with you they will be there when you're done taking space they will come back and if they don't wait for you and they don't give you that space then perhaps they're not the one and it'll just help provide you with clarity with like whether or not that relationship is healthy because when you have the absence of it it kind of brings perspective on how draining it was in your life and this can happen with friendships too because i've had friendships where i've been super drained by the person and they're taking way more than they're giving and 
aren't necessarily being honest and can engage in like toxic behaviors even if there's good moments there's certain things where if you're being drained more than they're filling up your cup or at least not taking anything from it then that's a situation where even if the person is a nice person they might just not be the person for you if that's how you're feeling and it's really not worth like prolonging that and going into it for years and years and years when it's draining your mental health and I would also tell people to like pay attention to your body signals because like that was something that I ignored for a long time and I didn't really realize like I had a lot of anxiety like just like e during things where I shouldn't have anxiety like literally just sitting chilling with my ex watching TV or hanging out with certain friends and I would just be constantly anxious and I couldn't relax and let down around them and that should have been like a first sign that like something was amiss and again it doesn't necessarily even mean that there's something explicitly wrong with the person it can just be where you don't vibe with them and where it's not a healthy situation for you uh and i also noticed that like my skin was way worse like i had way more i still get acne when i'm like on my period and stuff but like um my skin was way worse and i'd have way more breakouts and it was like stress induced breakouts so that was something that I also noticed that was like linked to the level of stress that I was under and I was also just chronically exhausted because I wasn't like being rested like even in time off because I was so drained by these people and it just wasn't a healthy situation and these same things I also noticed with a trainer that I used to work for like over three years ago now I posted about this a while ago and I think I did a podcast about it as well but there's a trainer that I was working alongside for a few years and he made some super racist comments one day during like the George Floyd um, Black Lives Matter movement um, and kind of tried to back me into a corner to get me to like say that like white people have a reason to be afraid of black people um, and for those of you who don't know like my dad's black so like I'm half black I'm just super white passing so like obviously I wasn't gonna say that and that was like a, a defining moment where like I had to put my foot down and I was like no like not unless they're racist because like honestly in my opinion like if we look historically black people have way more of a reason to be afraid of white people because they fucking enslave them and there's systemic racism that still exists and that's something that like I firmly believe in in order to say what he wanted in that situation I would have to go completely against my morals and it would have just been completely demoralizing to me and it would have been so unhealthy so even in the discomfort that was standing up to him in that situation where I had this grown man trying to like back me into a corner and kind of leverage power over me to make me say what he wanted to hear I stood my ground and it was like a very empowering moment in the long run because it showed me that I have like the strength to do that so I'm glad that that happened in some ways because it taught me like a lesson that I needed to learn and like after that day like I left and I blocked him on everything and I literally haven't talked to him since and it was just so empowering and then I realized like hey I didn't I don't need someone like that in my life I can do my own training I can create my own successful business I can find people that I want to work with that are healthy to interact with and aren't going to deliberately do something like that to make me uncomfortable and try to like force me to agree with them because like he knew what my stance on that was because I, I was not quiet during that whole movement like I posted a lot about it and he saw all my pages and even if he didn't it's just like an inappropriate thing to do at work like that and to try to like essentially bully someone into agreeing with you when you're in a position of power especially over something like that so it was just like a super uncomfortable situation to be in and it sucked but like overall like what I learned from it was really important and 
Um, I've since like left that situation in the past and it taught me some valuable lessons. Even still, there's been situations where I should have like left and let go way quicker because of how toxic they were, like with my last relationship and then also with some friendships because it just wasn't healthy for me. But eventually I got to the point where I did finally cut ties and like leave those situations. And even though it was like hard to like make the initial jump to do that and like hard immediately after, when I kind of sat with that discomfort and like laid into it and then just like let it pass it passed it was also healing because it showed me like what I could deal with like even when you're like abundantly sad and like stuff really sucks and you feel lonely and like hopeless if you sit with that feeling for a little bit and just kind of get through it you end up realizing like hey I can I can do this I can do anything and I think that's really empowering and cool so I also realized too that in these situations like namely with like my past relationship like the amount of times I was like crying and sad and there was fighting and stuff was so frequent that if you like collected all those together they wouldn't even hold a candle to like how sad I was when I left and I was really sad but like the times where I was like sad and made to feel like crap and garbage they happened so much over those two years that even if I wasn't as sad during those exact moments when you compile them together, I was very, very sad, and it didn't hold a candle to the sadness of leaving, so I would have prolonged my sadness in staying because that stuff would have continued to, like, happen cyclically, I can't talk, it would have cycled through and continued to happen because it just did, and there was never any, like, closure or apology or any real show of accountability and change behavior, so I would have just perpetually had that keep happening, and it would have just continued to make me very very sad and the sadness of leaving didn't hold a candle to that so that's kind of my piece of wisdom for anyone who might find themselves in that type of situation whether it's like a friend a romantic partner a trainer like if you're in a situation where you're not happy you're not comfortable and you're not enjoying yourself and you're finding that you're sad more often than not it might be time to go like that taylor swift song it's time to go you know you know when it's time to go and your body will kind of tell you that and like I would go with your gut feeling as often as possible when you feel really like uncomfortable or unsure of someone because like all of these people have had times that like all these people that I'm referencing have had times where I felt uncomfortable and I was unsure but like I didn't have a distinct reason at that point to feel uncomfortable not all the time at least so I was like oh maybe I'm just being judgmental and I toughed it out and it's like I shouldn't have necessarily done that because even if I was being judgmental, it's not the end of the world. There's other people that I could work with, be friends with, or get into relationships with that didn't make me have those feelings. Um, so sometimes your gut feeling is accurate. And when we ignore that gut feeling, which has been a lot of times where I've ignored it, and then eventually there comes a time where I'm like, whoop, there it is. That is the problem with the person. That is what is distinctly wrong with them that my body could feel and was just like distrusting of. And then you wait too long for them to prove you right and then oftentimes it's more damaging so you put way more time and energy into them so yeah like everyone deserves to kind of be treated like not kind of everyone deserves to be treated with kindness and like have people that like support and love and take care of them and if you're not being provided that and you're just feeling like drained around people then like you gotta be your own advocate and just get out of those situations because even if you have to be lonely for a time you will find your people eventually you will and like i i know how hard it is to find like friends as an adult like it's super super hard especially if you work like alone like i work for myself so like 
I'm not gonna meet any employees or coworkers to hang out with. So like making new friends as an adult is really difficult and it can be really lonely because of that. But that doesn't mean that you should put up with like lukewarm or like just terrible friendships and relationships just because of that loneliness you can kind of learn how to be alone like i listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks i listen to the myth of normal by gabor mate um and i really liked that one and then there's also just a bunch of podcasts and other audiobooks that i listened to that i really enjoyed and that's kind of how I helped to feel myself feel less lonely during the process of like grieving this previous relationship and then I also made more of an effort to connect with the friends that I do have because I hadn't really been making as much of an effort to do that and I needed to do more and I was like accidentally isolating myself and making myself feel lonely with decisions I made so I had to just kind of put myself out there more and a lot of my friends do live out of area or the ones who live here are super busy so I don't always get to see them but the time spent with them is always quality and even just like making more of an effort to just talk to them is important. Like not just waiting until I, like I'm in crisis to like reach out um, for help and assistance. Just like talk to them on a regular basis. And like it's way better to have like a small group of close friends that are like your ride or dies and are there for you when you need it than it is to have a really large group where you have fake friends that aren't actually there for you, don't actually support you. And are like using you or just being disingenuine and it's a crappy situation to be in but it's so necessary and there's so much of this toxicity in the horse world that I think that this is a worthwhile thing to talk about because like a lot of trainer student relationships are super inappropriate and are really toxic where there's this unhealthy power dynamic and a lot of abusive behavior and like toxic language being directed at students and we're just expected to deal with it because there's this whole mentality that like tough love is a thing and that like in order to be honest like trainers need to be cruel and they're like you can be honest about someone's shortcomings in their lessons and what they need to work on without being a total a-hole to them and that's a hill that I'll die on like a good teacher doesn't demoralize their students because humiliating you and making you feel embarrassed is not putting you in an environment where you are likely to learn and that's something that I think everyone needs to take into account like even if you are a quote-unquote bad rider or have lots to work on that's reflective of your trainer more than it is of you in my opinion like a good trainer will be there to help you improve and won't be there to demoralize you so if you're finding that you feel like crap about yourself after lessons that speaks more for your trainer than it does for you because even if you're not where you want to be they should be helping you get there and uplifting you enough that you want to keep trying to get better and if they're not doing that then that really only speaks for the trainer and that's embarrassing on their part so I'd encourage like any students who are, who are in that type of situation to not let it impact them I, I know it's easier said than done but keep in mind like your trainer is the one that's supposed to be helping you improve and if they're not doing that and you're just getting them they're insulting you and making you feel bad it's more of a statement on them and their lack of ability to teach than it is about you and anything to do with your skill set like everyone has their own individual struggles and everyone struggles with different things and that's okay and some people might take a long time to learn something that other people pick up easily but the mark of being a good trainer is being able to work with a lot of different types of learning styles and different types of people with different strengths and weaknesses and if they cannot do that and their inability to do that makes them project their insecurities or lack of ability onto you that just speaks volumes about who they are as a trainer and 
So I would encourage riders in this type of situation to not take it personally, or at least try not to, and kind of try to take on that mindset. The same goes with like peers at your barn. If you have peers at your boarding facility that are making you feel like crap and are insulting your riding and just being nasty, again, that is coming from within. It is a personal issue if they're just like maliciously attacking you and they're not being constructive and they're just trying to be mean. It says way more about them as a person than it does about you and there's probably something going on that's making them feel deeply insecure and they're using you as an outlet for that insecurity or lack of happiness or whatever it is. And we won't always get to know people's stories to know what their underlying motivation is, but a lot of times that is what is motivating their behavior. So when someone is being mean to you, try to look at it through the lens of like, this is a them problem rather than a me problem. Don't internalize what they say to you. And like, this also goes for online stuff. Cause I've had a lot of people ask me like, Shelby, how do you deal with like the online hate and people saying mean things? Sometimes it does bother me. Sometimes people's comments make me angry. More so the ones that upset me and actually frustrate me and make me angry are the ones where people are deliberately denying fact. And I think the reason why I find that so frustrating and infuriating is because it reminds me of what I used to do. And I also just really want to help change their mind because I know it'll make them feel better and it'll also better their relationship with their horses and make things easier for them. So I find it frustrating as a result, and it's the hardest to deal with people like that who are just belligerently denying fact, even when you put it in front of their face. Less so like personal insults, but even when they do, like I've kind of hit the point in my riding career now where it's like, one, I don't expect to know everything. I don't expect to be the best. For a while when I was younger, I wanted to be the best at everything, and I wanted to come across as knowing everything and being like completely and utterly knowledgeable. And at that point where I was trying to put off that persona, I actually knew the least. And it was like a projection of insecurity. So now, like, I don't really care because I'm ready to be proven wrong. If science comes out that shows that some of the views I've held are wrong, I'm ready for that. I've already kind of been through that, and I think that I can deal with it again. So I'm not really scared of being proven wrong at this point. Like, of course, I don't like being wrong. Like, when I make mistakes, even if it's, like, a typo or something, like, I don't like it. It's not something I'm like, oh, like, I enjoy this. <laughs> like, I don't love it. But I'm prepared to learn and grow from that and admit to my faults and my mistakes. And in my process of doing that and being able to admit to faults and mistakes, it takes power away from people who try to cut me down to their size and try to insult me to make me feel bad. Like, if I can admit to when I have made a mistake they can't really get after me in the same way. Or if they're coming at me for something that I don't think is a mistake, then I can hold my ground and I can be comfortable with my view of myself because I know my real intentions and they don't know me. They don't know the work that I put into caring for my horses. They don't know me. They're coming from a place where they're hiding behind a keyboard and just saying mean things. So when you're dealing with online hate, again, I would go from the lens of like, generally speaking, their anger, resentment, and cruel words are a projection from within. It's a source of insecurity and frustration, or like maybe their life is difficult and they're going through stuff and they're using that as an outlet. That doesn't justify their behavior, but it explains why it is there. People who are truly happy and content with themselves aren't going to go out of their way to be deliberately malicious. And I think what we need to 
kind of clarify is that there's a difference between people being constructive and noticing things that are potentially problematic and people who are being deliberately mean. So for example, someone pointing out the fact that like an upper level rider riding in a huge shanked curb bit with a twisted wire mouthpiece is causing the horse pain. That's not bullying and that's not malicious behavior with the intent of hurting the rider's feelings. It's pointing out how the mechanics of something they're using make their horse feel. And those are different things. What I will say is that we have to be careful how we go about saying those types of things, especially with younger riders. So for example, if you have a rider in a lesson program that's holding certain problematic views, keep in mind that like their behavior is also a reflection of their trainer and their learning environment more so than it is of them. And try to have more of your frustration directed at the trainer who taught them to do those things in the first place. Once you hit adulthood, you can still be influenced by trainers, but like ultimately it's your job to learn and grow as a person. But with that said, like our influences in the environment we're in, like it changes our behavior and it can frame the exact type of equestrian that we are. So keep that in mind. But when people are like insulting you for the outfits you wear, your weight, or like the tack you use, your, the type of horse you have, your equitation, and stuff that in the grand scheme of things doesn't really matter because it's not causing the horse mass emotional distress, then that's coming from a place of malice where they're just trying to nitpick and just be dicks. And this is where I notice like a lot of people will try to do this to me where like and other positive reinforcement trainers too, where they'll defend instances of training where people are like bucking out wild mustangs and highly stressed horses and the behavior is explosive and the horse is getting its mouth ripped apart by the rider because the rider can't keep their hands gentle when the horse is throwing themselves around that much and they'll defend stuff like that but then they froth at the mouth and wait for a positive reinforcement trainer to have like one spook or a horse that like chips a fence and then they catch it in the mouth or something something like that it'll be like a lower scale thing where it's a mistake and no one's trying to frame it as like this is totally perfect situation this is what i wanted to have happen and they'll latch onto that and be like see this is why you shouldn't criticize other people and again that's coming from a place of insecurity i've noticed that with myself a lot now because like i don't put my horses in as many situations where they're highly stressed so i have less of those types of videos but when I do have fails, people are like, oh, well, like, see, this is why you shouldn't criticize anyone. And it doesn't get to me in the way that it would have used to because, like, I know that it's not comparable. And if they actually truly believed what I was doing wrong, then they wouldn't have an issue with what I was taking issue with in my other posts because it's way more severe. And that is a hill I'll die on. Like, I caught pistachio in the mouth in a video when I was ponying Pogo and Pogo surged forward and I was caught off balance and I caught him in the mouth. I fully acknowledge that it wasn't ideal it's not something that i want to replicate in training or call like good training but it was an instance where i was thrown off balance by a horse pulling the rope away from me and what happened happened how i mitigate the damage that that does is one by using a rubber mouth snaffle with no metal core so just like one of the bomber blue flexible mullen mouths so it's not going to cause as much discomfort as like a metal bit or like a leverage bit it's just a regular snaffle um, and two, by acknowledging the fact that it's not ideal, like I wouldn't want to replicate that situation. I try to set up the training environment to avoid it in the future. So if people want to criticize me for what happened there, it's like, okay, all the power to you. But unlike a lot of the people that these same people who come for me defend, I'm not condoning or like advocating for myself to continue doing things that way. It was a mistake and it's not one that I intend to repeatedly make. Whereas trainers who stress horses out in training and just think that they need to be bucked out 
they make all these justifications to continue doing these things and they don't see it as a problem and i think that's the core difference is when someone justifies problematic behavior even in the presence of proof showing them why it is problematic they're not looking to grow and change whereas someone who can own it and who is actively trying to improve their learning they are looking to change so there's hope for them to improve on that because they're not justifying their behavior in the same way so there's a key difference so when i get hate online that's kind of what i keep in mind is like i'm prepared to grow and learn i know that i do things to mitigate the level of discomfort that my horses experience and I set up the environments to mitigate their discomfort and their stress. And that's something that I've made a habit to try to practice doing more and more. And like the more I learn, the better I'm getting at setting up the training environment to be suited to that. And it's something that I take seriously. So that's a key difference from like me now versus how I would have used to train that I didn't used to do. And it's something that I'm proud of. And it's not like it's it's a journey, you know, it's not a destination. I haven't hit like my max potential and I probably never will because I'm going to be perpetually learning and growing. So when people try to nitpick me, I recognize that it's just that. They nitpick me and they look for flaws within me to try to justify their own behavior and their own belief system. If they can pick me apart and find problems with me, they use it to further discredit what I say and to try to justify their denial of like the information that I post despite the fact that a lot of the credible information that I'm sharing is not coming from me as the original source so people can discredit me all they want but it doesn't actually discredit the information that I'm sharing um, so they're not even achieving what they're looking for but it's like a personal discomfort thing where that's what they do and you might find that people do the same with you online like especially if you're owning up to your mistakes or if you're talking about problems within the industry or if you're just sharing the process of you learning as a writer they're going to pick you apart because what you stand for and your presence is making them uncomfortable and they're going to try to criticize you because of that personal discomfort so it's not usually about you at all it's about the discomfort that they feel within me owning my mistakes and admitting to like when I hurt my horses and pointing out problems in the industry is inevitably going to make people uncomfortable because they don't want to deal with the feelings associated with that. And if they were truly confident and comfortable in the way that they did things and truly believed that they were doing right by their horses and there was nothing wrong with it, then what I said, what I say wouldn't have any impact on them. It would be like water off a duck's back. If they truly thought I was full of shit and had like just a stupid idiot like a lot of these people say, they wouldn't waste like hours of their time trying to argue with me online and commenting like a hundred plus times. And it's always these types of people that are the most condescending and like malicious in like their arguments against me that dedicate the most time to posting on my stuff. Like they post more comments than fans do. Uh, and I think that speaks volumes because it shows like they're arguing to prove something to themselves like their comments are about themselves and their internal feelings it's not actually about me or the information I post that's why it's usually comprised of ad hominem attacks and not actually attacking the information I share it's about condescending me my intelligence my experience the quality of my horses the fact that my horses live in pastures and so on and so forth it's not actually about targeting my argument and they continue to post and argue especially perpetually like i get a lot of the same accounts that come on post after post to argue with me when they could just block me and not look at my stuff if they find it triggering and it's because they're trying to prove something to themselves my content makes them feel a certain way and they respond accordingly 
And that's how I view things to try to avoid getting super hurt and upset by what people do online. Still, sometimes things get to me because I'm only human. Like, people have said some really nasty things to me over the last many years, but, like, most of the stuff that actually really bothers me is not necessarily related to horses. Like, I've had people make fun of my dad for being disabled. I've had people, like, try to discredit my heritage and say that I'm lying about being half black. I've had people mock my brother's addiction issues and that's the stuff that bothers me the most because that's just like blatantly cruel and it's not even like sticking to the topic of horses. So that hurts but at the same time it also speaks volumes about their character and doesn't say anything about mine because it doesn't also have anything to do with the argument at hand nine times out of ten. So when you're dealing with people who are being cruel to you, I would try to look at it like how you would go about like addressing aggression in a horse, kind of. Like, consider what the underlying motivation for that degree of response might be. Because clearly your information or whatever you have posted has triggered them in such a way that they are commenting like that. And even if it's something like fairly benign where you haven't said anything like related to horse welfare to really trigger them, it's just a video of yourself. A lot of people who make really critical comments are doing so because that's how they've grown up being spoken to by their trainers. So they then project that behavior onto other people because they've had their own self-esteem damaged by someone doing that to them. And again, it doesn't make their behavior right, but it explains why it might exist. So I would highly encourage people to not base your value as a rider off of like what other people say about you because then it, your value is always subject to being damaged if you are looking for other people's approval. You have to find comfort in being able to make the decisions that you feel are right for you and your horse, whatever those may be. Even if those decisions deliberately go against what I might believe in, you should be confident enough in the decisions that you make that my personal views don't impact you or another professional trainer's personal views don't impact you. Like you have to just learn how to be confident and assured enough in yourself or the people who you seek advice from that you're not going to be impacted by other people holding a different view. And it is natural to still kind of get anxiety before sharing certain things. Like there's certain controversial posts that I share that I'm a little anxious to share because I know how people are going to respond and like I would prefer not to have negative comments, um, but I know it's going to happen. But at the same time, like I don't change what I'm doing to try to avoid those people because that's exactly what they want. And in order to stop that type of toxic behavior, we kind of just need to continue doing these types of things and just ignoring them. And it doesn't mean that it's always going to be comfortable to deal with those types of comments, but it's an important process, I think, in becoming self-assured and not reliant on the approval of others because you should find enough comfort within yourself and your own views that you don't need to place your worth in the hands of other people because then they can damage it. So I would try to like make a close circle of people that you trust, people you can go to for advice and support, like whether or not it's online or in person because there's a lot of great support groups on Instagram, Facebook, etc where you can find your people. Like, it doesn't have to be in-person people. So, for example, if you want to start out in positive reinforcement, but there's no one in your area that's doing that, join a positive reinforcement group and get support there. And then you can find your community, and it'll make things a lot easier when you are meeting struggle because you can feel safe in that community. Or if you already have that community, then just go to those people for support. And try to laugh off people who are attacking you because ultimately if they'd make the effort to talk to you online and post on your stuff and go to your page clearly something about you has triggered something within them otherwise they would just move on 
So, with that in mind, I would take it as a little bit of a compliment in some ways that they are putting that much energy into you. And I would try to use that energy, even though it's negative energy that's emanating from them, take that energy, suck it up, and let it, like, empower you to continue doing what you're doing. It's easier said than done. It takes a lot of practice. And it also takes practice just deciding, like, letting people be wrong. That's something that I'm having to work on a lot right now is not trying to say my piece and prove everything to people. I like commenting back and forth so that I can post information that other people can read who are receptive, that they might see the argument and kind of go like, okay, my views might change because of this. So I think for learning purposes, it can be good. But at the same time, some people are so belligerent and not open to considering ideas that it's like, I'd be better off arguing with a brick wall. And in those cases, that's where I need to practice more and more just tuning out going hey I can't change this person's mind and just letting them be wrong let them be wrong and let like even if the their views are about you in specific as a person let them be wrong about who you are they don't know who you are you know who you are let them be wrong you know the real person that you are and people are going to try to discredit you demean you and degrade you if you make them feel uncomfortable they will go out of their way to nitpick and find things about you to justify their personal perception of you if you make them feel uncomfortable or if you make them feel inadequate or if you make them feel insecure if they don't like you and they've built this narrative in their head about you it is a lot easier for them to find anything that will feed into that narrative than it is to admit the fact that they might be wrong about you and that is just a fact so keep that in mind like you, there's some people who no matter how nice you are no matter how you try to go about things no matter how you try to post and share things how you change the way you go about things online they're just committed to misunderstanding you and mislabeling you as a person and there's nothing you can do to change that and this happens to people like even people who are like so nice like there's people i follow online that are like truly the nicest human beings ever wouldn't hurt a fly even in controversy they're way less hot-headed than me and like way more polite and people still find things wrong with them even when they only just contribute nice things and support to other people they still are vitriolic and nasty to them because they just need an outlet for whatever is within them that is making them feel that way so you can't avoid those people to a large extent especially when you put yourself out there online because it makes it way easier for them. Like 90% of the people who criticize you online would never come walk up to you in person and say what they're saying. They wouldn't do it with their face attached. They wouldn't go on like a podium and talk about their views in front of a crowd because it would make them uncomfortable. They can only do it when they're hiding behind a computer screen. And what I think people should be really proud of is if you can stand by your personal views and what you say, whether or not you're behind a screen or not. And if you can do that, then you're very authentic and genuine as a person and you're being yourself. So there's no shame in that. A lot of the people who are spreading hate online cannot say those things in person. And if they can't do that, then it's like you don't have to respect them or their opinion. I don't respect people who can hide behind fake accounts or private accounts or accounts that don't share any of their work with horses and just criticize the crap out of me for what I do or don't post and criticize my talent as an equestrian when they're not putting in the same effort as me. They're not putting themselves out there in the same way. So even if I'm doing things wrong and they don't like it or they think I'm a bad writer or whatever, they're not putting themselves out there like me. So we are not on the same level. 
there's that saying that goes don't accept criticism from people you wouldn't go to for advice and i would tell people to emulate that take on that and take that with you wherever you go if you don't respect people's expertise enough to accept advice from them don't accept their criticism because criticism is kind of like a precursor to giving advice they're pointing out your flaws and if they were being constructive they would then follow it up with advice but if you wouldn't take their advice don't take their criticism because it is not coming from a place who where you think it's credible or respected and I'd encourage people to do that with my content too if I post something that applies to you and you don't agree with it and you think I'm full of shit and don't know anything cool move on don't ig ignore me like call me an idiot do whatever you want but if you truly don't think that I matter and don't think I know what I'm talking about, my words should just be background noise. It's like the equivalent of like a toddler calling you a poo-poo head. They're, they're a toddler. They're just saying words, you know? View me like that <laughs> and go about things that way. But, sorry, this has been like a long tangent on that. But yeah, basically that's how I kind of try to manage people who are like vitriolic and nasty online. Um, especially like with grown men when they're mansplaining things to me I kind of look at it from the standpoint of like like there, there's no one whose opinion I respect less than a misogynistic mansplaining man and a lot of them will go to like like right away they just start condescending me my age my experience my looks and all these stupid things and it's like there's nothing I respect less than that so it's like I don't care it's water off a duck's back so that's kind of how you can kind of try to gas yourself up to ignore these types of comments. Just keep in mind that a lot of people's reactions to you are actually about themselves. It's not actually about you as a person. And the other thing is online especially is if they really don't like you as a person, they don't like your content, they find you irritating, annoying, and don't want to see it, they can block you. And if they choose not to do that and they just choose to perpetually be irritated and annoyed by your content, that is a them problem and if they know how to work social media well enough to comment on your stuff presumably they know how to mute or block you and if they're making the choice not to it's because for whatever reason they're getting reinforcement from your content and going and commenting on it uh, which says more about them than it does about you the other thing is that these types of people tend to boost your posts the most because they're such dedicated commenters so you can troll them and use them to their advantage your advantage because you can make them comment lots and I would also encourage people to do that like if you don't mind you can use them first of all as a means to kind of say your piece so that other people can read it and maybe learn something but also let them boost your posts let them the more they comment the more they're gonna get recommended your posts and the more people who follow them are gonna see your posts so you might actually end up reading reaching your target audience if you're looking to reach people who hold views that are different than you but you're trying to educate them and if not, it's like, whatever, you're still getting more views and you could potentially reach people who will resonate with your content. And if you don't want to do that, you can also just block or restrict them. Like, especially on Instagram, you can restrict people so that they don't know that you've blocked them, but their comments don't show up in your notifications and no one else can see them. And that's what I'd recommend doing for people who just don't want to see them and find it difficult. Or like if you're trying to get to the point where you just stop replying to these types of people, when you see them comment on something, just delete the notifications so you don't have to see it. Just delete it and move on. And try to go about it that way. And just recognize the fact that like no one knows who you are better than yourself. And someone online especially doesn't know who you are. 
I've had people criticize my integrity, like who I am as a person, my belief system, what motivates me to speak out about the things that I do. And my integrity and my beliefs are something that I take very seriously. And like, I try to be very authentic and genuine about the way that I go about things. And initially, like it would really bother me when people would criticize that, but ultimately it's like, they're wrong. Like I've had people tell me that I'm only in welfare advocacy for the money and it's honestly laughable like the more i've thought about it it's hilarious because if it were profitable to be in this realm of horse training everyone would do it the reason why so many people are so bent on not changing is because a lot of the people at the top are turning such a high profit by doing things in an unethical fashion you don't see as many people engaging in welfare advocacy and doing things with positive reinforcement because it's not as profitable it doesn't provide instant gratification in the same way so when people say that, I kind of just laugh because it's like, no, I was I could make more if I'd continued doing things the way that I was going about things before. I got a lot of views, like a lot of my like most viewed videos of all time were when Milo was the most stressed and freaking out. And it doesn't mean that I was more right at that time, like that I was doing things more correctly. I wasn't. People just found that content more interesting to watch because that's the state that the horse world is in. And I could profit more off of my videos back then, like if I posted them now, because people like watching that stuff more. It was more, it would be more profitable. And I didn't used to get put in the ad program back then, so I wasn't making anything at that point. But I got the most views. It was my most viewed content ever, basically. People, like it blew up all the time. If I was still going about doing that, I'd be making way more in ad revenue and I would also probably generate a following much quicker because I wouldn't be pissing people off by saying things that they don't want to hear. Like a lot of people will unfollow me after I make a particularly controversial post. It's not the most effective way to make money. I can also guarantee you that from the standpoint of my product selection and like my store, a lot of people probably do not support my products because of my stances in the horse world. They don't want to give me money because they differ from them, which is totally fine. Also, a lot of people don't like the fact that I am like pro-LGBTQ rights, anti-racism, and that I post a lot of progressive, quote-unquote, leftist stuff. A lot of people don't like that. And I, if I stopped going about doing that publicly, I would probably garner more appreciation and sales as a result because people wouldn't view me as being as controversial as I am. The reason why I don't do that I don't, is because I don't think it's authentic to who I am as a person. And I don't want to have to silence my advocacy just to make more money. So when people try to claim that my advocacy is about attention and money, I know at my core that that's not true because not only do I have all of the analytics that prove that the posts where horses are freaking out and being the most reactive get viewed the most, I also know how people respond to my controversial posts and how many people have been like unfollowed i'm not buying any of your stuff or like oh i was it's a shame i was gonna shop at your store and now i won't because you said that gay people deserve rights and it's like okay cool i don't want your money i don't want these people's money i don't want their dirty money if that's how they feel about things if i have to like be disingenuous to myself and be unkind to other people and horses in order to make money. I don't really want to do that anymore. So a lot of people will mislabel who I am as a person in an attempt to justify their belief system about me and their views on me and their lack of desire to believe that I'm in this for the reasons that I am. 
and it just speaks volumes about them because if that's what they think about me i think that it reflects on them more as a person if someone thinks that i'm only in this for the money it means that they're probably if they were in my position they would be more in it for the money and the more i interact with people especially in person where you really get to know them well the more i realize that like i'm gonna give another example with like my ex he got really mad at me one time and like I know this is like clown town energy. The more I talk about these things and people hear them, it's like, okay, I'm going to go in my clown car, put on my clown shoes and my clown nose and go to clown town because I'm so stupid for putting up with this. Like, I'm so stupid for thinking that he was the type of person that I wanted to believe instead of seeing him for who he was. But anyways, he was really condescending and nasty to me in front of one of his friends. It was really embarrassing for me. Um, because I was talking about, like, how if I ever, like, uh, like being anti-billionaire, basically, and saying that there's no ethical billionaires, and, like, that I just don't believe in it, that they're hoarding resources while people starve, and that's, like, a hill I'll die on. And he was, like, dick-riding billionaires and defending billionaires, and was like, well, if you had that type of money, you'd do the same thing. And I was like, no, I wouldn't. I was like, I have substantially less money than that, and I dedicate a lot of my revenue to doing things to be more inclusive, to donate to charity, despite having way, way less to do so. And, like, collectively, obviously, billionaires will donate more money in, like, volume, like, the amount of money that they donate, but in comparison to what they are generating, it's far less than what it would be for me, because I'm making so much less money, if that makes sense. So even though if I donate a smaller amount of money, it's more of a portion of my income than it is for them. So I was like, no, like, that's not true at all. It's like, I'm already proving that wrong. Like, it costs me more money to offer plus sizes in my store, and they don't sell as much as the other sizes, typically speaking. The reason why I do it is because people deserve to have clothes that fit them, and that ho the horse world has been notoriously bad about body shaming and not offering people different sizes. The reason why I offer unisex clothes are for people who don't fit the binary and who just want to be able to buy clothes that aren't gendered the reason why i shop with like a like why my supplier uses recycled materials on the vast majority of my clothes is because i think that that's a good way to go about things the reason why i sell flashless bridles is because i don't believe in the use of flashes if i got bridles with flashes they would sell i would make money off of it but i don't think that it's the right way to go about things so i told him all these things and he was still arguing with me and just being a total dick to me and this just like oh well that's stupid if you put money into that and i was like well it's what i believe in and also what was so telling about that reaction is that he's getting mad at me for what I stand for because it makes him insecure about the way that he would have gone about things in my position. So it wasn't actually about me, it was about his personal insecurities. And that speaks for a lot of people's reactions to types of things that I do because like honestly like what I do is not profitable. There's so many different ways I could be more profitable in the horse world if I didn't care as much about ethicality for the horses and going about things in the way that I believe, like, politically and just, like, general decency-wise. I would profit more if I just didn't take any political stance publicly and if I didn't talk about controversial things. Undoubtedly, I would profit more because I wouldn't be ruffling as many feathers, but it's not about that for me. And I know that in my heart. So, for you people listening to this, just try to get in touch with who you really are as a person, like your core values, your belief system, like what you are trying to do. Like even if you don't always get everything right, what were your intentions? Were you intending to harm your horse when you used harsh tack way back when, or even if you still do, were you intending to cause harm? No? Okay. You have good intentions and the more you learn, the better you'll be able to 
align with said intentions because you'll, you'll learn how to react to certain situations and make better decisions in the future. So take solace in the fact that you know who you are, you know what your intentions are, and you can kind of feel that. And when you start to get big reactions to things too, like start to get curious and ask yourself why. Like what I've learned from like training horses and going about training differently than I used to is that like a lot of what we say about like horse behavior where it's like look for the underlying motivation and like look for where the behavior comes from. It's so applicable to us, but we don't do it. Like we're oftentimes not told or encouraged to look at our underlying motivations behind our emotions or why we feel a certain way about things or why we react to a certain way about things. Like why certain stuff triggers us, why certain stuff makes us feel really sad, why certain stuff makes us anxious. We oftentimes just like notice the feeling or in some cases try to ignore it. And we don't ask about why it's coming, like why it's there. And if we did that more, we'd be able to get more in touch with ourselves and understand ourselves better. So my journey over the last few years has kind of been moving closer towards that, like discovering who I am as a person, discovering like my core values and like who I want to be, where I want to move towards, like what, like who I am, like figuring out who is Shelby that has been my journey over the years because for so many years I was being whoever I thought would be the most palatable and liked to people and I was trying to come off a certain way um, in a desperate attempt to be liked and appreciated and supported by people regardless of who they were and the fact that I couldn't please any everybody was like deeply hurtful to me and it really impacted my self-esteem so now the journey of like finding who I am as a person and discovering like what I like about myself and what makes me feel good has allowed me to kind of really set up my life in a way where I'm actually doing things for me because like several years ago me doing as little at like as quote-unquote little as I am doing with my horses right now where I'm not jumping big jumps we're not showing tons we're not posting really engaging awesome exciting content we're not winning tons of ribbons I'm not training super difficult explosive horses and filming the process of that because I make an effort to not cause those explosives in the first place. I'm not doing as many exciting things that are going to garner the same level of public support and appreciation from certain groups of people, but I feel way better about myself now, and I feel better about what I'm doing, and it aligns with my core values more, and I believe in what I'm doing more, and that's all that really matters. Like I'm happier now. I'm more content with training. I enjoy hanging out with my horses more now. So what anyone says about what I'm doing doesn't really matter because I enjoy it more and I don't operate on the same value system a lot of horse people do so if they try to hold me to their personal value system it doesn't matter to me it doesn't it's not my value system it's not valuable to me so they can measure my success however much they want but I measure it differently than they do now so their measurement of my success doesn't matter because I value myself on my own system and on the system of other people whose views I align with and who I respect and who I look to for guidance and support. And that's what I would encourage everyone to do. It's not wrong to be wrong. And it's not wrong to change your opinion or change who you are as a person. And the people who make you feel like you're less genuine for altering your views or moving in a different direction are the types of people that aren't growing because they view going a different route as being dishonest instead of as a marker of growth so keep that in mind like 
deciding to do things differently doesn't mean that you're being dishonest or fake. It means that you're growing and learning as a person. And we are perpetually growing and learning. There's no shame in admitting that you were wrong and changing the way you go about things. We can all change and become better people, and that should be encouraged. So this was like a mishmash of a podcast. I don't really even know what to title this one because it's all over the place, so I apologize. These are just like long ADHD tangents. My little, like my podcast is just Shelby soliloquies. So yeah, but I, I hope that that's kind of like at least a little bit uplifting to people to kind of help them work through stuff that might be difficult for them. And to just consider those types of things because like it's it's hard to kind of navigate that alone and like I had to go through it alone largely like I had some support systems but a lot of this was learning that I had to discover the hard way on my own after kind of hitting walls and being really really sad and then going a different way and it was difficult and I wish that I had more people to kind of tell me like yeah that's totally normal this is the way it is and you're doing great. So that's kind of the purpose of this podcast. Like this podcast as a whole, not just this episode, is about trying to make people feel heard and seen in their journeys as equestrians and human beings and show them that they're not alone in hopes of helping them to come to whatever decision is best for them earlier. And that's kind of what I hope to do with my content too, because I wish that I made changes to my horsemanship earlier. I wish that I had discovered this level of self-esteem earlier. I wish that I had started to honor and value myself earlier and take care of my mental health better earlier and align myself with people who made me feel good earlier. I wish I did all those things earlier because it would have saved me a lot of grief. So if I can help other people do the same, then I've done something important. And it's honestly better late than never. Like you can look back on how many years you've made certain mistakes for and go, that's so terrible. But like, it's better to alter your position on something for the better at any point in life than it is to just perpetually continue doing things the way you were simply because that's what you've always done. So I would encourage people to not feel shame in their past and when they're changing stuff because that's just part of your journey and it's better to like notice that you're wrong and want to do better sooner than later. And if you're doing that, then you're doing great and you should be very happy with the way that you're going about things and just honor yourself in that journey because no one's perfect. And, like, we all make mistakes with horses, too. Like, even now, like, most of the positive reinforcement trainers you see, they're not having perfect sessions all the time. They're not never, ever making a mistake. Like, sometimes my timing isn't as good on certain days when I'm more distracted. Or then I can watch the videos back that I film, and I'm like, wow, my timing was bad. Sometimes horses will act up and have more difficult times learning on certain days. And then you just use that as feedback for how you're going to change and go about things on another day. And it's not about perfection. Like, no one is perfect. And I think that the whole journey of, like, acknowledging our horse's emotions and valuing their emotional welfare more, a lot of people view it as, like, oh, we should never be making mistakes and it's never okay for your horse to spook and any stress means that you're a horrible person. No, it's not about that. It's about honestly looking at your horse's reactions, though. So if you get a stress response, rather than shrugging it off and going, oh, this is the way things have to be, Get curious and ask yourself where that response is coming from and how you might be able to avoid or lessen it next time. Just get curious. It's not about perfection because horses, at the end of the day, they are flight animals and we are not perfect beings. So we are inevitably going to make mistakes and it might result in our horse having a stress response. But the goal should be to reduce the frequency of how much that happens because it's safer for us and it's also healthier for our horses. And like that's a big part of why I talk about these things too is because I've noticed how much safer I've been 
since I started to change the way I go about things. I endangered myself needlessly so much over the years, and I'm so lucky that I didn't get more hurt than I did. And I would like to prevent other young riders from doing the same and valuing their skills as a rider based off of, like, their ability to stick on a horse or their ability to ride through dangerous behaviors. Because you can have a good seat, you can be a great rider, but you're a better rider if you try to just train to avoid that stuff in the first place. And you're also more likely to have a longer career as a rider. And I think that part is really important. The last thing that I want to say in this podcast regarding like safety with horses is like obviously like stressed horses are more dangerous they're more likely to engage in stress responses that endanger the rider so with that in mind if you value your safety trying to reduce stress as much as possible and just be more patient and alter your timeline to be more suited to what's best for your horse will keep you safer and it's like one of those things where a lot of people don't truly value how much how important safety is and how to avoid these types of problems until they're really really hurt And I would encourage people to not let it get to that point because if you get really hurt, sometimes your body will be irreparably damaged and then there's no going back. And at that point, you're going to regret what led to that, but you're not going to be able to do anything about it. So you're better off addressing things earlier and playing it safe than being sorry at a later date. And it's not it's not worth the risk of long term damage to just have instant gratification on one day. And I think that's another takeaway that people need to have for training is that it's like building a house. You have to build the foundation first really well, which takes a lot of time, and then like frame the house, which takes a lot of time. You can't just go and live in it right away. You might be able to build a pop-up house in a single day and do it really haphazardly, but it's not going to last as much. When a strong wind blows, that house might come down. Whereas if you build a really nice, strong, awesome house and you put the time into making sure it's super, super solid, Odds are when shit hits the fan, it's going to withstand it better. So that's the way we should go about training, is rather than fixating on what we're doing in that specific day and what how far ahead we get in that specific day, we should be doing stuff in a way where we're looking for improvement over a long period of time, improvement in the long run, and how to make things better for the long run. And that's how we need to be going about doing things, is looking at the long game and looking at how we can change the horse's perception of training for the better in the long run. And that doesn't often involve doing the full intensity of what you want them to do in a single day, especially if they're struggling. So keep that in mind. The slow game is often faster in the long run because you result it results in less problems. You don't have as many holes in your training. You don't run into as many dangerous issues. Your horse is more reliable, more consistent. And while the beginning stages of that take long and they can be more boring and they require more patience, the payoff is so much greater. And that's all I can recommend to people. But anyways, thank you for listening to my tangent. I really appreciate that people like my podcast and that they listen to them. It's always kind of shocking to me because I'm like, wow, people actually like download my podcast and listen to me talk. This is wild because I'm probably annoying. But I appreciate the support. Um, For those of you who don't know, I am flying to Paris in September. It's like less than a month away now. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Um, To speak at a welfare conference um, in Paris, France uh, for Collectif pour les chevaux. There's a bunch of really cool people going and that are going to participate in the conference. and it'll be really really neat they have some fei stewards going to talk about stuff which i'm particularly interested in seeing how that goes um 
so yeah, like it, like I'm really, really excited. I'm really scared. I've never left North America before, so I'm really nervous about figuring out how to get around there and just like being in a different area and being away from my horses for ten days. Um, because I, I'm gonna just drop the bomb here to give you guys like a heads up because um, I'll tell you here first, but. I am going early and I get to go ride with Lauren Allport. I'm going to go like, well, not necessarily ride, but stay with her and be like in her vicinity and meet her. And I've been a fan of her since I was like in high school. So on. She is like the person that I initially, her and Equa Alley were who initially got me into bridalist riding. And I'm so, so excited to do that. So I'm going a little bit early now and I get to stay with her and I get to see her beautiful facility and meet her. And I'm so excited because I'm like, such a huge fan and she's been a huge influence on my riding and i really like the way she goes about things with her upper level horses and just like the way that they live like it's all so lovely and i think she sets a great example for what upper level riders should do so i'm so so excited i'm so excited about that and then after that i'm doing the conference and then i'm coming home and i'm so excited but yeah so um watch out for those collabs i guess if she'll let me film which hopefully she will um i'm so excited and yeah, so it'll be fun. I'm still doing fundraising for um, before this. So like I said, fundraising for Paris and my truck are kind of simultaneous now because like I'm putting money into both of them. So you can check out my store. You can subscribe to Patreon. You can purchase webinars. I also offer mini training consults and full training consults on my website. Um, I also have a PayPal donation link if you want to do like a one-time donation and just all the money goes in towards setting up this type of stuff because it's not cheap to do horse things and to try to like expand your business as a single woman in your mid to late 20s um and yeah so it's difficult but i appreciate all the support and thank you everyone for listening and i hope you enjoyed this podcast i don't really know what to title it but i guess i'll figure it out and if it feels dishonest towards what it's about i'm sorry because this was just a mishmash i just wanted to get something up so that i could share with you um but anyways, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out the links in the description of this podcast to help support my work. And I really appreciate all of you who listen to this. And yeah, thank you again and have a lovely day. And I hope that this resonated with some people.